Holly Ann Martin is the Managing Director for Safer Kids. She is passionate about keeping kids safe both in the real world and online. The primary goal for her podcast is to provide awareness for the safety of kids and your well-being. If any of the content in this podcast raises concerns or questions for you, please talk to a trusted family member, a friend, or consult a professional for additional support. To talk and tell with Holly and Kel, with your host Holly Ann Martin and Kelly Humphreys. Uh, today, guys, we are doing the disclosure discussion, and um, we will be going live on this at a date to be announced. Uh, but yeah, guys, before we get started, just let you know everything that I talk about um, myself is my own opinion, my own research, my own experience. And I just wanted to put that out there, but guys, we've been just having such an incredible time with this. So um, my name, Kelly Humphreys, author, speaker, and survivor of child sexual abuse. And I'll uh, hand over to Holly. She can introduce herself and we'll start talking about this in-depth, difficult conversation. <laughs> Thanks, Kel. Hi, I'm Holly Ann Martin, Managing Director of Safe for Kids. We're a child abuse prevention um, education company that does training and creates resources to help keep kids safe, both in the real world and online. And yeah, so today we are going to be talking about um, disclosures. And the problem is each, Kelly, as you know, each state has different mandatory reporting um, laws anyway. Yes, it does. It makes it really hard to sometimes know where you stand, um, unfortunately. And for many survivors out there who already feel like they don't have a voice, disclosing can be just really, really difficult. And uh, Holly and I have just come out of, um, we've just done bystander silence. Uh, we did like a pre-record like this and we also did a live uh, recording on that which was just phenomenal. Um, and again, bystander silence is just those people around uh, the survivor that may know that it's happening but not actually uh, make the report or be able to stand up and do something about it or um, even potentially enable the abuse to continue. So. There's that element and we spoke um, last week and we had a little break in there um, but we talked about victim silence and how that sometimes stems out of the bystander silence and you know I, I'm learning so much right now um, through my networks about what's actually going on uh, in our country and it scares me guys I'm really quite afraid for our young people and um, for the kids and, and what they're actually experiencing at the moment and um, we've got a duty to stand together and to fight against this so this discussion today Holly probably has come at the most perfect time needs to be discussed disclosing we need to disclose the disclosure discussion there you go <laughs> so um, yeah that's what we're talking about today and disclosing is simply uh, a bit longer word for speaking up <laughs> so, and, and no matter how it looks I, I know Holly uh, you have like phenomenal resources around disclosing so did you want to start us off yeah thanks Kel. Um, it's really important that people know how to take a disclosure from a child because um, you know when you think that these things have been happening and as we you know discussed in numerous times um, how prevalent it is um, and depending on which statistics you look at but 
for a child, because of the grooming process, which we've always done two, we've also done two episodes on, um, you know, for kids not to speak up it is, you know, they might have been threatened, they might have been um, bribed or all of these sorts of things. So when a child finally gets up the courage to tell someone, if people don't know what to do, it can actually, I mean, I've met people that say, um, you know, I, I told somebody and they didn't listen to me and then I never ever told anybody else. Um, so one of the things that I do is um, in the lesson plans that I've created, you know, every now and then I keep talking about this safety team and I've actually written a, um, like a, um, an invitation that kids would give to somebody on their safety team um, to say, congratulations, I've picked you on my safety team. And if I tell you something bad, I expect you to listen to me, believe me, be available, and then, you know, do something about it. So if a child does, and, I've, and then it actually says what to say to the person. And also when I'm training teachers and, and everybody that works with kids. So if I cover it now, and then I'll go, we'll go, we'll recap it again at the end if that's okay. Yeah, yep, But I, I, um, I give people a script because in every state, you know, people, there are different mandatory reporting laws. In Western Australia, where I'm from, it's only police, teachers, doctors and nurses at the moment that are mandatory reporters. Wow. In the Northern Territory, everybody's a mandatory reporter. Um, and in most states, everybody's a mandatory reporter, but they don't know what to, to do about it. So if I'm a child and I've suffered sexual abuse and I go and tell somebody and they go, ah! you'll stop the child from telling you. And so what I teach people to do is you have to stay calm. Inside yeah. you can be freaking out, but you can't show that to the child. You just have to put on a, you know, don't show any sort of distress because it may shut the kid down. So to help people stay calm, what I say is, I need these three sentences out of your mouth. I believe you. It's not your fault. Um, oh, sorry. Let me go back a bit. Sorry. Thank you for telling me. I believe you. It's not your fault. And I'm going to do something about it. And people need to know that by rote. If I said, what's two and two, you know, four straight away. Mm. So it needs to be, when I'm training teachers, I actually say, I, I need you to practice this in the staff room with each other. Because also, I mean, I know that you did on, um, you had that great conversation with Chair, and when you talked about, um, you know, when you get under stress, you shut down and things like that. So mm. it doesn't matter how much training you've had, a child comes to you and they're going to disclose your brain's going to shut down because the cortisol, you just want to get out of there. The cortisol is going to be, you know, banging your brain. So if you know these four sentences off by heart, um, then it'll, you'll just kick into, to go into that automatic mode. Yeah. And you default back to it. It's just like your training and yeah. it becomes automatic. It doesn't mean you're not having the feelings of like, oh my God, I'm going to oh, kill that person or whatever. Exactly. But in understanding, and, and I just want to take people back for just a minute, in understanding the grooming process, um, the child still is attached to the perpetrator most of the time. And, like, we're not talking about, um, you know, the 1% again, okay? So we're not referring to the 1% of the violent stuff that happens in the street. And, and you know, it, it's not so much about that because that's going to be notified. People are going to be notified about that straight away. This is the quiet, cunning, hidden stuff that uh, the abuser is known to the child, uh, is trusted um, by the family most of the time, or is a member of the family. And so when the child actually 
has the courage to finally speak up, uh, they most of the time just want to know what you're going to... Sometimes it's just to test the waters, right? Sometimes it's like, I'm just going to see what they might do with this. You know, I, I often did that. So, I mean, I was abused, um, sexually abused by my uncle from the ages of, you know, eight until 15. And I would just, you know, there was very few occasions that I did it, but I would test the water. So I'd just be like, I wonder if I can say something. And I'd just be like, so, and, and I'd leave most of it out and I'd just say something random and weird just to see how the person would respond. And, you know, I did, the one time that I did do that, the person was like, oh, we should probably speak to your mum about that. I shut down straight away. And there was nothing wrong with what, what she did. But I, my heart was like, i got to protect mum and dad. i got to save my family. Okay. So kids will be like little turtles. And they'll start poking their head out and just testing to see whether you're a safe person to talk to. Or, you know, if it's a teacher or someone, like they're not going to yell and scream. And, you know, because often they don't want you to hurt the perpetrator, even though you know that it's got to stop and the perpetrator needs to go to jail. The kid doesn't need to know that immediately, right? They want to know that they're going to be safe and cared for and that you, as the person taking disclosure, are going to, like, love and believe them and still care for them and you're not going to abandon them. Because they feel dirty, they feel disgusting, they feel horrible. They may not be able to put that in words, they may not understand that what they're feeling is shame and guilt and grief. They don't have that vocabulary. So, you know, they're not going to be putting into words. So if you're saying like in response to a child speaking up, oh, that's disgusting. I can't believe you do that. I mean, I'm going to get him. I'm going to kill him. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Or I'm going to kill her. Like she can't do that to you. You know, again, there's female perpetrators out there. That's just, that will make the child close, just, just close down. Okay. Um, that's because they think they've done the wrong thing. Kelly, you're exactly right. I mean, we um, when we spoke with Justine and she told us about when she went to the piano lessons and the piano guy put his hand on her leg and she told her mum she didn't want to go back. We need parents, because kids test us. Kids okay. test to see if you're a good safety team person. And if you miss that moment, they may not go back and, and do it. You know, Justine, mum made her go back to the piano lessons and I also had a, a teacher disclose to me how she was sexually abused by a naturopath but all she mm. said to her mum was I don't want to go back there and her mum said I'm paying jolly good money my girl and you're going back to him then she told her best friend's mum exactly what had happened and she said no dear that couldn't possibly happen and she didn't tell anybody else for 15 years until she told me after a lesson that I was doing with her class um, about persistence and she came up and said, Holly, if I had had that 15 minute lesson, it would have changed my life. So I helped work through it. She went and had the man charged. It took a whole year to get to court and 12 of her peers couldn't make up their mind. It takes another whole year to get to court and 12 of her peers found this man not guilty. But she tried to tell people what was happening. Mm. But so, you know, whenever I train parents, I say, if your child doesn't want to go to somebody's house, Please, not in front of them, but please check in why. You know, they might not want to go to Nanny's house because, you know, Nanny growled at them last week or whatever, but it also could be something else is going on. And so we need the adults to spend time checking in with children because you, you exactly nailed it. Kids, parents say, if anything happened to my child, they would tell me. And usually, in my experience, kids would... Are more likely to disclose to a teacher or 
somebody a bit further removed than the immediate family, again, because of the grooming process. So if we don't teach them to persist in keep seeking help, which is a, a huge part of the program that I teach, um, and we get adults to, you know, why don't you want to go to that person's house or just find out why? Because, um, you know, you've talked in the past how um, there was an opportunity when your uncle um, was charged with another incident and your mum said, did it happen? And you weren't in the place where you could say yes at the time. Yeah, I was quite scared. It's actually um, bears a lot on this conversation because, um, bless my mum, but she was just angry because of that other stuff. Like she wasn't angry at me. Of course but She not. was just generally angry about something else. Um, what he had told her, I don't know. That's, that's you know, for my mum to, to disclose. But... All I know was she was cranky, she was slamming plates, <laughs> she's doing what mum does. But I was like, whoa, she's really cranky today. And then she whirled around to me and she said, Kel, has this ever happened to you? Has he ever touched you? And I was like, mm. I just was like, what? And so I was like, okay, I could tell her. So my head's racing, like racing, racing, racing. I'm like, this is my moment. This is my opportunity to share. Can I tell her? Like, I know that she wouldn't hurt me. Um, and my mum is incredible. My family is beautiful. I just want everyone to know that, like, they've done nothing wrong, um, you know. But at this moment, it was my opportunity to speak up. But I was wanting to protect them and I didn't want them to, you know, I didn't want them to abandon me or any of that. And I know it was an irrational fear at the time, right? But we're, we're in our fear brain. We're in our fear mindset. We think that, you know, all these bad things are going to happen when most of the time, most, not all the time, not every family is a safe family. But most of the time, your family will love you. They believe you. They're still going to keep you around. But having some of these other tools might change things. And my mum didn't have the strategies at that point in time. You know, she she wasn't educated in that way. I don't think at that time in the way that we are able to educate people now and we have these programs and 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 stuff. So it's up to us to step into it and go, hey, I need to learn about this so I can see if something's happening to my kid. You know, so at that point, I could have said, yes, this is happening, but I was so afraid and I didn't have a language around what he was doing to me or understand it as being wrong. Because at that moment, the penny dropped that it actually was. That was the first time after, you know, however many years that I realized that what was happening to me wasn't a normal thing. And so I just was struggling, I guess, maybe at that moment with the shame part of it. All right, so I, I couldn't speak. So I ran away, I ran out in the garden, Ran up in the garden, had a big cry. You know, it was it was a really awful moment. It was horrible. But I didn't feel I could speak up. And so at that moment, the question uh, that could have been asked is, you know, tell me why you're so upset. Tell me more about that. You know, and, and it's open questions. And maybe this is a good part to throw in about how much should and shouldn't be asked at that point. But um, don't probe too much. Right, if, if, if you, it could go something like this, right? So your kids sort of starts to test the waters and you, something will spark up in you that doesn't feel right. They might not have said a lot at all. Um, you know, it could be like the Justine thing. He's put a hand on a leg and she's like, I don't want to go back there. So the next question is, tell me more about that. Tell me, tell me what's going on for you. Why do you feel that way? Because he scares me. Tell me, tell me more about that. Why does he scare you? And, and then just follow it. Just, all you need is enough to 
and, and not freak out and be like, oh, I'm never going back there. You're never going back. Rah, rah. Then you don't want to go back there. That's fine. That's great. But that rage makes the little turtle pop back down and hide from the world. Um, but yeah, tell me, tell me more about that. And when you know something's not right, then you go, okay, we're going to get somebody who has the capacity to help now. And that somebody is a professional, which would be, let's get this reported. Because the more you ask, the more it can interfere later with uh, other investigations. So I'll hand over to Holly because she's had some great stuff she's been talking to teachers about. So I'll just let you cover that off. No, Kelly, you're exactly right. That's the only question that I'll let people ask is the only state, you know, tell me more about that. Because if you ask a who, what, when, where, or a yes or a no answer, will taint the evidence for the police. So, um, and, you know, in I've trained in, in every state and territory and, and seen a lot of the mandatory reporting training. But in my experience, people don't actually give people a script of what to say. And um, a lot of teachers um, think they have to do the investigation. So what, what it says is, as soon as you've formed a belief that something's happened, then you need to do something about it but if you keep because every time a child tells their story they're reliving it but it also if I tell everything to my teacher and then it's their job and so I'm expecting the teacher I'm expecting never to have to say that again so um, I was I did some training last week in a small country town here in Western Australia and I, I was really fortunate to have a, a policeman sitting on the training and um, right at the end of it it was great because he stood up and said, you know, I totally agree with everything Holly's taught. I'm so glad that this is in our community. And then he said, quite often, you know, he'll get teachers making a mantra report and they'll go, you know, write everything down. Here you go, I've done, you know, the investigation for you. And he just rips up the paper and has to throw it in the bin because it, it's not, you know, it's you can't use that as evidence in court. And people think because they watch these cop shows that, you know, kids can do that. Um, it's so important, you know, that the kids use the correct anatomical words for their private parts and all those sorts of things in their yeah, disclosure. We didn't talk about that earlier. Was it in signs? Holly, where do we where do we talk about the anatomical names for things? Was it? In, it might have been the first discussion we've ever had. But you, yeah. yeah, that's so important, and because there's a lot of names for body parts that you've really got to be able to get the child to be practiced in saying, "This is my vagina. This is my penis. Vulva. This is my breast." And it's awkward, but that's what needs to happen. But people think because they watch these American, you know, SVU and things like that, that kids can point on a dolly or kids can draw a picture and all that sort of stuff. And so it's not actually helping. Um, you know, the police need to have the initial... Um, Preliminary report. complaint. Yeah. Um, mm. You know, I've had um, police in the Northern Territory ring to say, Holly, you know, we've just interviewed... Um, two girls that an uncle had taken them out bush and was showing them porn on an iPad. And these little girls yelled no and told an auntie, uh, they disclosed to an auntie, auntie had done the training, she rang the police. And in the girl's disclosure, they said, oh, because Holly said no one's allowed to show you private pictures, but they could name all of the words. Another time they had to interview a five-year-old boy who just you know, sat there in front of the police and said he put his penis in my bottom, no suck in his fingers, no shame, no language words, because, you know, most Aboriginal kids that I've worked with would use language words for their private parts. And the police said, Holly, we love you because 
um, you know, we've got that on video, we can show that to the lawyer and that little fella probably will never have to even tell his story again because the guy will plead guilty because it's such strong evidence yeah. for a five-year-old. So please, please don't question children. As soon as you form the belief that something's happened, please report it to the authorities. And, you know, it actually stops, in my experience, it stops a lot of teachers wanting to teach protective education because they think if I teach it, I'm going to get a disclosure. Rather than going, if I teach it, perhaps we could stop some of that stuff. So mm. for, for people not to think that they have to, you know, some people think if I get a disclosure, then I'll have to go to court and then I'll be splitting up the family and all of this sort of stuff. Rather than going, well, actually, we're here to keep kids safe and we need to teach, teach this education early and, and um, ongoing and not, you know, we don't want people um, questioning. and. Sometimes adults um, think that they um, are doing the best by their children. Um, I know of a situation where um, a little girl grew up hearing her, from a baby, grew up hearing her father say, excuse my language, but I'll kill the bastard ever hurt my little girl. And she hears this year after year. And at 13 is date raped. But she didn't tell anybody for two years to protect her father. Now, everybody <laughs> was being a big big macho dad protecting his kid, she loved him so much. She kept that, she didn't disclose for two years to protect her dad because she didn't want him to go to jail. Yeah, I get that loud and clear. I've got two dads and they're both very different, but um, one of my lovely dads says, anyone who ever touches my kids, I'm gonna, I'm gonna kill her, I'm gonna, I'm gonna kill him, whatever. And so he was the last one to find out, unfortunately. <laughs> so it was after I'd written my book and I was like, all right, I gotta publish this. So I need to do something about it. So. Oh dear, it was a it was a terrible conversation, and um, he told me I was never allowed to talk about it. But you know, he gave me a big hug and said, you know, some things are not meant to be spoken about at times, and some things are. So he was great, but I'm like, man, I can't believe I held on to that for so long based on what he'd said to me as a kid. So exactly, and and you know, parents do the best job they know how, but unless they've done you know workshops like these to to find out these. Um, Kids love their families and, you know, we keep referring back to the grooming process. And when people, when parents say, if my child, anything happened to my child, they would tell me, yeah. I want parents to be really clear that they're probably not going to tell you yeah. because yeah. they love you. Those dear little people that you tuck into bed every night think they have to parent you. They have to protect you. So it's more realistic that, um, your child's best friend might come to you and tell you something because, you know, when I'm working with kids in school, kids always think their mate's mum's cooler than their mum and things like that. So, you know, that's why everybody needs to know, um, you know, whether you're a, a sports coach, um, after school activities, people from people's church, everybody needs to be trained in how to take a disclosure from children. Um, and I just wish it was more widely um, you know, integrated into churches and things like that because if kids are anywhere, then everybody needs to know what to do if a child discloses to them because they will all be at some stage on some child's safety thing. Hmm. It's interesting, Holly. I um, One of my beautiful organisations is Child Safe Australia uh, and they do incredible 
and I'm a child safe champion. So I, I love them. I love them dearly because they're just an amazing group. Um, but they, if you're out there and you are part of an organization that doesn't have a procedure around child protection disclosures and reporting, you can contact Child Safe Australia and they have training available to teach you and help you implement uh, good practices in your business, your, your uh, coaching or, or sports venue or whatever organization you're part of if they don't have that process in place. So um, Child Safe Australia guys, so just look them up and they can help with that. Like you really do need to have a, a proper process in place in order to cover yourself um, and to protect the children. Because again, my first disclosure, the first proper time I spoke, and I was like 19 um, or 18, maybe 19, but it was to a coach. Okay, it was a coach. I was away from home. It wasn't to mum and dad. Uh, and that coach said to me, Kel, I can't help you with this, but let me get a hold of somebody who can. Um, I believe, and I can't believe, you know, this has happened, but I, I don't know how to help you with this, but let me get someone who can. You know, so she didn't shut me down or any of those things, but she was somebody who I worked with every day in my training and my athletics and my sport. Um, and I, I was struggling with life. I'd been hit by a car at that point in time. So it just everything was coming up and I just, it just fell out of my mouth. It, it just fell out of my mouth. I disclosed to a coach because I felt safe with her, um, you know, but it took me until I was an adult. So those kids that are coming to you, you know, have mustered every little bit of courage like everything in them to come to you and they're petrified. I guarantee you they're so scared to speak. So, um, you know, and if you listened last, when did we do hypervigilance? Tuesday night. Um, Tuesday night, uh, Sher McGillivray and myself, we spoke about hypervigilance, right? A, a child in the, in the space of being sexually abused is hypervigilant. So their, their stress levels are elevated. Their heart rate is heightened. Their, their hormones are raging around inside their body, right? So they're already uh, in a really defensive sort of position. So when they go to share with you, they're waiting for something. So when you're rash, like irrational and you're harsh, they're gonna they're gonna explode or they're gonna withdraw. But if you're calm, you're speaking to the front part of their brain, okay, which decreases their level of hypervigilance, and then they can start to think and process and reason. So when you ask the question tell me more about that and you ask it safely then they can actually begin to disclose because they feel safe when they're hyper vigilant they're already feeling unsafe before they come to you okay so it's really important that you know that because that's the reason that this that they would just shut down straight away because they're already just you've got to think your kid is if they're coming to you to tell you something like that they're already petrified they're already so afraid so they're not coming to you like expecting that it's just going to be great they're coming to you with their, their heart on their shoulder their heart on their sleeve or however you want to put it so your response in this matters more than anything and don't beat yourself up if you get it wrong you can fix it if you do explode but you've got to have the words around it and the communication and say look mommy's really sorry for how she got angry then but i just love you so much and i want you to be able to come and talk to me about anything um, you're not in any trouble. I believe you, but it just hurts my heart when I hear that somebody's hurt you or hurting you. And so it's not the end of the road. So I don't want you to think you've destroyed everything because you've gotten really angry, but make sure that um, you're following up, you're checking in, you know, um, be really calm when you're starting to approach these issues because they're like, oh, because that doesn't go away. The fear of being in trouble 
for talking about this doesn't go away. It stays like I still like have elements or dregs of that left over um, because I think, you know, what could come back to me? What, what, you know, that's my adult brain thinking. But as a child, we, we're just constantly worried. We need constant validation, constant reassurance. And that can only come from a, a parent or a caregiver. So just be mindful of those things. I don't know if that helps, Holly. <laughs> well, no, it does, Carol. And definitely to be believed. You know, lots of people say, oh, but kids lie about this sort of thing all the time. No, they don't. Mm. Um, I had a parent share with me a story. Um, they lived in, in a small country town. Um, they had a, a farm worker on their property who had a 14-year-old stepson. And her nine, so she had three children, but the, so the three children go down to the dam with the 14-year-old boy. And he says to her nine-year-old daughter, um, I'm gonna have sex with you. And she didn't know what that meant. So she goes home and says, oh, you know, this kid said he's gonna have sex with me. So the mum said, what? Freaked out, went and saw the farm hand. The farm hand goes to the 14-year-old boy and says, did you say that? No, she's lying. He goes back and says to the mother, no, she's lying. Then the mother goes to the nine-year-old, did he really say that? If yeah. anything else happens, they've all just modelled that that nine-year-old hears, they don't believe me. Now, of course, everybody, you know, she was, the mum was shocked. But if you think calmly when you're not in stress, you know, what nine-year-old, if they knew what it was, would actually say that to a parent and all this sort of stuff, she wouldn't know what sex was. Um, but the, the nine-year-old hears, they don't believe me. And again, just as you said, I said, it's not too late. Please go back and build that bridge with her. And, and you know, I was just so shocked that that's, you know, that that's what happened. Um, but, I, you know, my job is to protect you and to keep you safe. And, and I'm sorry. We need to say sorry to kids more. Mm. Because not being believed um, is, is the hard, you know, sometimes that's as, as big a betrayal. Um, you know, again, back to Justine, you know, she tried to tell, tell so many times to her mother um, and, you know, she just did nothing. Um, so please, for adults, um, think about the language that we use with children. Um, and because those little people are watching us all day, every day, and they, they you know, I've already said they test people. But even they may, they just observe people as well. And if you don't come across, I mean, one of the things that we teach kids is, and you covered it before, we can talk about anything. And we need parents to say to their children, nothing you will ever tell me will stop me loving you. I might be disappointed in your behavior if you got suspended from school, but I will still always love you. Kids need to hear that a million times. Yeah. I think it's really important too. Another thing I just want to add is it's not just, um, <clears throat> excuse me, it's not just the disclosure from the victim, child, or even an adult survivor, um, but it's also the bystanders. So let's say somebody has witnessed or observed something, okay, that they know to be or they suspect is child abuse, okay, or even domestic violence, whatever it might be. If they go to somebody else, and I even just read a post yesterday about a domestic violence incident where somebody else in the house was allowing it to continue and the person who wanted to help was, you know, was, was silenced and stopped and then that person ended up dying. So um, it, it's, it's pretty full on. But as a bystander, if you have a child or um, somebody disclose to you and say, hey, I've, I've seen this happen, like somebody came in and they did this to, to Kelly or they did this to Bobby or whatever, 
and, and that child comes to you as another adult independent of the incident, you have a duty to report that. Not to silence your child because why would they tell, tell you something like that? Yes, they may have the perception wrong, but you know, if it's not the immediate parent of the child and it's somebody outside of the circle, you need to go and speak to those parents. You know, it, it's, it, it has to come out. And um, that child who's, who's disclosed to you as the bystander, you know, that's, that's taken them a lot of courage too. You know, and a lot of conversations, and it might just be that a conversation is had. And, you know, maybe, maybe it didn't happen as the child saw it, but that's what they thought. And so it allows the parents an opportunity to have a protective education type conversation and say, do you know what to do if somebody does touch you? Let's have that conversation now, <laughs> you know? So it's really important because that's where we all have a duty in, in supporting and um, helping our kids to be brave, to feel safe, to share, to disclose, um, and even yourself as adults, you know, because it's not just child sexual abuse, it's domestic violence, it's, you know, assaults, it's, it's all sorts of stuff happening and we all need to feel safe to be able to speak up. Um, and it starts at home. It starts at home in the environment that you cultivate around your family. So. So I'm hoping that we'll have some really good conversations when, you know, we do the live and, you know, th this will initiate some messages to both of us. Hmm. Um, because, you know, it is such a huge, you know, it does frighten people. I mean, I can't imagine it because uh, I'm not a parent, but, you know, it must be play on parents' minds. What if my child did tell me something? How would I react? So, yeah. again, if we can just remind them, you have to stay calm. You need to say those four sentences. So, I'm glad you told me. I believe you. It's not your fault. And I'm going to do something about it. Mm. Not to, you know, we have to believe children and to offer comfort but don't ask any leading questions and then they need to report it to the authorities. Yeah. Can I just add, Holly, just while I thought about it just then, um, be mindful of your non-verbals as well. It's not just what you say, it's how you hold yourself because a child who's being abused is already, like I said, and, and again, I, I would, it would pay to check out Grow and Glow with um, Sherman Gillivray that we did on Tuesday night at 7.30. Um, because we talk about this a little bit and it's just that the child is so in tune to what's going on around. So they are looking for eyes. They're looking for feelings or, or sounds, okay, whether the perpetrator is coming into their bedroom, they are waiting, okay. They're, they're like, um, if you think about a tiger in the grass that's, that's stalking their prey, right? A tiger is looking for any sort of movement, like a cat, like waiting for a mouse. They're listening. And, and that's what a child's like waiting for a perpetrator all the time, you know? So when they see you clench your fists in anger and your face gets angry, you clench your jaw, they're like, oh, they're angry. They read all of the signs. Your child, if they've been in this situation, is so in tune to every movement, every everything. They are so smart because they have been forced to survive and survival instinct means being awake and alert and fully in tune, okay? So the converse part of that is completely withdrawn and numb, right? You can be hypervigilant or completely withdrawn and nothing at all. All right, and that makes it even harder. So the disclosures get harder when it's like that. But just be mindful, not just of your language, but your body language as well. Um, so yeah, again, it, it's not an easy conversation, but um, and it's hard. And when this stuff happens, you really need to get support around you. 
Okay. But yeah, as Holly said, those those key statements are really important. Um, if you have questions for us, if you're not sure, please inbox Holly or myself. Um, we don't, again, I've, I've got uh, lots happening in the next two weeks, so we don't have a date for a live just yet. Um, but we'll get it to you. I'll create an event as we as we normally do. Um, please join us. It is Child Protection Week next week. Um, we want to be advocating for safe spaces for kids to speak. You know, this is how the cycle is going to stop. So send us a message, send Holly a message. She's got great resources on her website, which is Safe for Kids Australia, um, with the number four. Is that backwards? <laughs> safe number four kids. <laughs> um, and guys, my website kellyhumphreys.com.au. Um, but yeah, guys, it's it's such an important discussion, the disclosure discussion. Um, so again, just thank you for being part of this with us. Uh, this is Talk and Tell with Holly and Kel. And uh, we thank you so much for being uh, with us. But yeah, just send us those messages, guys, so we can have your messages give us the content for our lives and um, we can address those. This is why we do the pre-record first. So, you know, if you've got those questions that are sparking up in your mind, put them in the feed under this video. Um, if you don't want anyone else to see that, then inbox myself or Holly. So we'll, we'll uh, answer it as best as we can on the next, on the next live. So thank you guys again. Um, we'll see you soon. The primary goal of this podcast is to provide awareness for the safety of kids and your well-being. If any of the content of this podcast raises concerns or questions for you, please talk to a trusted family member, a friend, or consult a professional for additional support.